0: Well, good evening there fellas and ladies i'm letting you know that today's podcast is brought to you by the one and the only Isotokes. they are an innovative little design that allow you to keep your smoke cool but without getting that overflow that pushes your bong water out onto the table nobody likes that kind of shit. so what they have done is they have designed these amazing little cubes that you can connect to make for your six inch bong, for your foot long bong, for your foot and a half long bong, or for everybody out there like me who likes them big fuckers, them two foot bongs. They will keep your smoke chilled, making your whole experience for smoking quite a bit better. So what you need to do is check them out on icetokes.com. Let me tell you that one more time. Thank you for tuning in to the Omniology Project, I'm your Lodestar, William Waffles. Today's episode, we have a great one as usual. We start off with my exodus from California to Oregon. We discuss a little bit of the recreational marijuana, my likes and dislikes. We talk about Halloween, haunted houses. And we even get into some real spooky stories. So please, get your bongs ready, heat up those nails, roll them doobies nice and tight. Engage your hyperdrive. What Do you believe in What really does <laughs> happen to your pants with socks? Where's UFOs. What the hell's out there? I'm just trying to figure that stuff out. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. I'm not sure what time it is for you, but right now we are together. Thank you for joining me for this episode of The Omniology Project. This is my first podcast in, oh, I don't know, a couple months. I stepped away from the Natural Habitat podcast because I was making the move up here to Portland, Oregon. I used to live in Central California spent my whole life there back and forth from town to town and finally made the move up to Portland Oregon about a month ago i've been dealing with the laws and the rules and the new legal marijuana up here and getting a job and all that good fun stuff but yet here finally i have a company a com- i have compiled all of my essential tools to where i can sit down and come back and spend time Broadcasting, voicing my questions and concerns. So, on today's episode of the Omniology Project, we will be discussing moving to Oregon. The fucked up story I have of that. Legal marijuana. We'll touch basis on a couple things on Halloween, including some dumb facts I have You probably know them, but I'm going to say them anyways. And then as well, we're going to discuss some haunted housing. And (coughs) not just haunted houses, but actually I will go over a couple of haunted areas and places I've actually been to and been involved with. So now let's talk about me moving up here. It was an interesting situation. Things finally fell into place and me and my buddy make the move up here. After being told that our apartment was not done being remodeled for, I don't know, I believe two weeks, we finally had the truck packed. We are leaving in the morning and the rental company guy called me and said, oh, hey, it's not going to be ready. I said, well, we're already packed. It's too late for us to change all of this. this time around so we're gonna come up we'll try and take an extra day or something but that's where we're at he said all right we'll work something out so we get up here the next day and we're saying you know hey our apartment's not ready what are we supposed to do the guy said well i can rent a hotel for you or i can put you up in another one of these apartments that i own like all right cool put us up in the apartment you know he said oh it should only be a few days I believe we ended up staying there for two weeks. Now what I find very funny about this situation is we didn't even move into our house or this other house that I considered legally squatting in. We parked the truck at our, at our actual apartment, unloaded everything into my roommate's room, and then we went and squatted in this other apartment for two weeks. We watched television on my phone, We slept on air mattresses, They had nothing in the refrigerator, nothing for bathroom supplies, no towels, no curtains in the bathrooms. It was a very odd situation. So after about two weeks of legal squatting, they finally came, or they finally finished our apartment, and we made the move into it. And then from that point on, you have the troubles of finding work and all that good stuff. This being moved into our apartment was four days before it became legal to have, well, not to have, to purchase marijuana at medical stores. So I believe it was October 1st here in Portland, Oregon, or Oregon all around, that you were able to purchase recreational marijuana from a medical dispensary. So here we are, October 1st, me and my roommate, lucky enough how we are with the place we rented. Less than a block away, we have a recreational store that we frequent quite often. So we go down there for the first time, do the little sign-in stuff that you got to do, and walk inside. I am not surprised or caught off guard at all by any recreational shop that I go into. Uh, At one point in my life, I was involved with a delivery service in Central California. I've had my medical card for a long time. So going into a shop is just another day like going to the cigarette store for me or like say to BevMo so I could go purchase my fine alcohol or whatever have you. So I go in, I get the rundown. They say, I can't buy this. I can't buy that. Edibles and concentrates like I knew. And they, you know, we're ranging anywhere from six to fourteen dollars a gram, which isn't real bad. Now the numbers they're throwing out there, I don't know if I can believe them. Like, I picked up some candy jack. They say it's thirty point one THC and point eighty percent C B D. Do I believe that? Not really. That's a high number. It's a very high number to achieve, actually. But, ah, uh, it smells good. It looks beautiful. It has a tasty, tasty flavor to it. And it gets me ripped. So are there any complaints here? No, none, not at all. But it has been interesting getting back into flour, seeing how I'm not allowed to purchase any type of concentrates or edibles. So what that has resorted me to doing is going to Washington, the state next to me. I live in Portland, so I'm right there on the border. So about a half hour drive from my house, I have another recreational shop up in Washington that I can go to. And they actually sell concentrates and edibles concentrates run about forty dollars for a half gram, 60 for top shelf grams. Yeah it, it it all varies here and there. It's not all that bad. You're not paying 100 bucks a gram though in most cases, which is good. One of my biggest downfalls with the way that they decided to regulate their stuff. they regulate their edibles for the first time user. So a a dose is 10 milligrams. That costs about ten to fifteen dollars. That hurts me being a Californian. I'm used to three hundred dollars or three hundred milligrams for fifteen bucks or twenty bucks of sweet, delicious gummies. And up here I haven't been able to taste any of the gummies. I haven't been able to taste any of the chocolates yet. Because it's it's it would cost me 150 bucks to get fucked up, and that's kind of ridiculous. So needless to say, I have yet to try any edibles from Washington state. So, I'm hoping once we go fully recreational here in in Oregon, sometime around the 1st of the month, I'll have the opportunity to per- the opportunity to purchase decent shatters, oils, waxes, honeycombs, whatever have you as opposed to it being technically outlawed. I can't even have this stuff because of the process of making it. it is so dangerous that it is now a felony to own, possess, or blah, 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 as rumor is, I've heard. I don't know if that's quite fact yet. Some other little odd aspects of living up in Oregon different than California would most most easily have to be The fact that I don't pump my own gas. That is so odd for me. Never in my life has anybody ever pumped my gas for me. I've pumped gas for other people in my life. But I've never been like, hey, pump my gas while I do this. That's just not something I've ever done. I'm the guy who stands there and pumps my own. Come up here to Oregon. I just sit in my car. Hand the guy 20 bucks. That's odd. He pumps. I leave. I don't know if I could do a job like that. Just kind of stand there and pump people's gas all day. I mean, I could, but... You know, that's one of those odd things about about Oregon is there are little things that are different. Living up here, you can park on, on either side of the road going either direction. So say, I'm going... Down one way on the road and I feel like parking on the other side of the street, I don't have to turn around to do so. I just pull over to that side of the street and park. It's an odd thing to see when you're from California having those those strict laws where you're not allowed to do things as such. I ran into I'm going to guess it is a protected left turn, but it is a yellow arrow that just blinks for turning left. It doesn't do anything other than blink. I sat at one for almost five minutes one day thinking the thing was going to turn red until people were honking behind me and I realized that it's like, take it at your own caution. Odd little things like that around here. But I'm slowly getting used to them. I've heard how they... I, I was prepared for Oregon drivers, how they're super nice and everybody's a lot more of a obedient driver up here. And I can say for the most part, yes, they are. I've never really had to fight to get into a spot that I'm trying to get into. I've never been pushed off the side of the road or honked at for that fact, which is kind of odd. Well, I was honked at once, but that was because I was sitting at a light forever. People in Oregon are fairly courteous, and it's something, something refreshing being from California. Everybody's... Busy, everybody's got their own agenda, everybody's moving and grooving to their own beat. Up here, everybody's just kind of relaxed, you know? Everybody's a little more polite, and it's interesting. I enjoy it. It's made me a little more polite, and it's made me a little more enjoyable, I'm sure, for the people around me. Uh, The people around me, good friends, good friends. I moved up here with a roommate. Now, me and this roommate... For the last two years, we've known each other for a long, long time. But for the last two years, we have worked at a little local haunted house we have back at home. Or not back at home, back in California where I used to live. And, you know, nothing fancy, nothing spectacular. We had some cool attractions. Uh, I've scared children. I've scared adults. We've had fun doing those things. So I think it's been about three years now that me and him have been looking around and going to all these haunted houses that we can to see if we can get startled or scared. Yet to this point, I haven't been scared. I haven't been startled. I haven't been like, oh shit. Oh oh, no. You know what I'm saying? Um, We've done a lot down in, down in California. I've done a quite a few up here in Oregon already. I went to a full contact one, and I mean it was all right. It was great theatrics. I had a good time. I watched them shove some kid into a an ice box, and they shoved me and my uh my buddy into a pit of foam. It didn't look like foam, but I knew it was. You know. Did, it's I think the furthest I've ever gone for a haunted house actually was a total round trip of sixteen or seventeen hours. me and uh Mikey booya, a real good friend of mine we we got a wild hair up our ass one night and decided to drive to Las Vegas to go to the goratorium now this is a quick this is a little haunted house thing that Eli Roth built and put on. Now, for those of you who don't know who Eli Roth is, he's the guy who created the Hostel movies. They're extremely disgusting. They're very gross. Gore porn, if you would. But I was hoping at some point I might have the exhilaration of being scared. So we make this uh, nine, eight, nine hour trip up there. And we're like walking right by in front of it. And the thing's not not even there we didn't even recognize that it was closed like because it was just that blank of a building and that's really odd because we the website said they were open the phone line said they were open so i mean we went to some sandwich place got some dank sandwiches took the trip back we had a fun time because we're you know good friends we can laugh we can uh, get high and drive and shit but I, I still have yet to have that essential scare in me. And I I found one haunted house. It's down in San Diego, California, and it's called McCamey Manor. Now, see, this isn't your normal haunted house. This has like a six-month waiting list. It is... Now, when I say full contact, that's an understatement to what they do to you. It is... It takes so long. I've done a lot of research on it. It takes so long for you to, the wait list is so long because they put you through a psych evaluation. They study you and your team, your group. You can't do this alone and it's only for the people you go with. So you're not going to be there with somebody you don't know. And they study you guys and they find your real true inert fears, the things that scare the shit out of you that horrify you and they play on those they bind you i've seen i've seen them like pouring some weird yeah it's it's crazy right some crazy shit goes on but that to me that's what a haunted house should be thoroughly and involving they should know and scare the shit out of you hopefully someday i might be able to find somebody to go to that with me um if you're listening and you're down Write me a little email on the Facebook or or send an email to uh the Omniology Project at gmail.com. You know, we'll get together, we'll do this. So, that being said, haunted houses, you know, that's all in the realm of uh we got Halloween coming on. Right now it is Sam Hain, you know, is all devil's night. It is the night before Halloween. This is when you gotta watch Watch out for your car and shit, you know. After twelve tonight, because that's when shit gets crazy. Little punks will go around and do all them little uh tr- tricks on your car and tricks on your house and shit. And hopefully, hopefully, the uh the appeasing of giving off free candy tomorrow will retard most of those urges. But you never know, you know. I was a child. I used to TP houses and whatnot. Sam Hain is a uh, is a real awesome evening. In the eyes of any trickster or or, or a hooligan out there it gives you the opportunity to get out and actually create some kind of mischief now, speaking of mischief i uh i was reading this study that it's you know one of those clickbait sites i was reading some study on halloween and how dressing up in this you know, evil character and putting this mask on really changes the child's mentality. You can see these kids that are normally good all year round becoming a little more mischief during Halloween. And that's because we actually allow them to become more mischief during Halloween. How, how much in trouble does somebody really get if they TP a house or if they get caught TPing a house? Not much, it's some toilet paper, they go clean it up themselves. As long as the jokes aren't too bad, the children are encouraged to go use their imagination and have fun. But what that ultimately leads into is the child stealing more candy or going a little too far with the pranks. Is that necessarily a bad thing? I don't think so. I think we're being wee bit too protective with the the costumes, the way we treat children, checking all the candy... You know, checking all the candy, that's that's so the parent can get all the good shit. Let's not lie about that, okay? The only people who are poisoning and or sticking razor blades in children's candy is the parents or relatives themselves. End of story. We all know that. I think there's been like one or two actual documented cases of where somebody was poisoning children in the neighborhood or, you know, just random people. The malicious act like that is so uncommon. You know, whilst I'm talking about these uh, facts I know about Halloween, let me spit off some uh, some of the other little random ones. I hope you don't know. You might know this, but you might not. I know everybody's got some of them, but you know, here's some of my uh, random facts for you. According to tradition, if someone wears their clothes inside out and walks backwards on Halloween, they'll see a witch at midnight. Now see... I've been wearing my clothes backwards all day, as well have I been walking backwards. So hopefully I get to see some kind of witch tonight, you know? According to legend, if you see a spider on Halloween, it's actually the spirit of a loved one watching over you. You know, I think that's pretty cool. I'm not a big fan of spiders, but that could make me get on board with them a little more. You know what I'm saying? Ooh couple of halloween uh birthdays for you willow smith it's will smith's daughter funny that their name is so similar to each other dan rather he i I think that's the news guy and uh vanilla ice snap they were all born on october 31st talk about a crazy ass birthday to have right it's like you got all these crazy kids showing up and then all their crazy costumes to do your birthday. And then you're like, have yeah, birthday cake. And then what do you guys do? Y'all go out trick-or-treating together, man. That'd be so cool. You know what I mean? Okay. In the UK, white cats are thought to bring bad luck. Not like in the, not like black cats in the U S see, I don't, I don't, I don't know where this whole perception of Black cats bringing bad luck or white cats bringing good luck or any of this comes from initially. It's something I might have to look up. We might discuss the uh, the use of animals in imagery and history in one of these next episodes because we could dwell really far into that. Animals are used for so many different things in, in culture and history and it and might not always be a direct... You know, when you see a bird or something the the person who drew it back in the day might not be drawing a bird, but that's their only perception of what could do that. So that's another episode we'll get into at some other point. I think, I think we'll look into why black or why specific things look, you know, you know what I mean? Anyways, here's some signs of a werewolf. If you have a unibrow if you have hairy palms if you have tattoos or a long middle finger well see here's the problem with that this is this is the big problem I have all of those symptoms except hairy palms now I was told my whole life if I masturbate a lot I'm gonna get hairy palms I don't have hairy palms so that myth is wrong I wonder if this one's anywhere near correct Here's a a fun little tidbit about Casper for you. The first time he was ever appeared in anything was called Novel Tunes, and it happened in 1946. So let's think about that really quick. That makes Casper an old child ghost. So he's been a child ghost for a very long time. Man, that must have... That must suck to be a child that long, not be able to grow up. You can't drive like ghost cars or nothing because he ain't got his ghost license. And then this is this has got to be one of my favorite. I don't know if it's like a fact, but it's something I always like to think of as a fact. And, you know, I I see people out there in their ghost costumes and they're, ooh, I'm a ghost. boo. And I always got to walk around behind them and see see their butt. And if they ain't got no poop on their butt, then they're not a real ghost because ghosts are dead and that means there's poop on your butt because you evacuate your bowels when you die. That's just the kind of things that happen. You know, poop. Poop happens. One last little list of Halloween fun things for me to list off for you. These are my list of... These are... This is... My list of favorite Halloween movies. They are not in any particular order. From favorite to least. They are just listed. Starts with Halloween. Brain. Sometimes my brain moves faster than my mouth does. And it causes my mouth to not say the proper thing at the proper time. It's very discouraging sometimes. But I like to work through it. So, again, we start with halloween 3 season of the witch my soul to take idle hands hocus pocus trick-or-treat Ernest scared stupid adam's family values donnie darko and creep show one and two all right now me being done rambling about halloween this and that i want to get into some real terrifying moments i've had in my life And those come encounter either with ghosts and or demonic presences. Now years ago, me and friends did this thing we called Spooky Door. Essentially we would break into an abandoned and or run down building and explore it for EVP and other ghostly activities. As well as just hang out, enjoy the architecture and the history of the building. And get high, goof around a little bit. At no point did we ever destruct or destroy any property. We don't break into these places or gain access to these places to destroy or disturb anything. We do it for the pure enjoyment of being able to learn and be in the environment itself. Now that all being said, let me tell you about our main haunt. It was an old Masonic building that was used as a boy's home, as a printery, Many uses it held, but to us, it held one of the most common and frequently places we could hear or experience another realm or another time. So we would go and hang out. There was this big hall. It was a basketball court at one point, a little auditorial room. It was... Well, okay, when I was in junior high, this building was used as Friday night lights. You could go play basketball, watch movies, uh, play video games, play pool, hang out with people. Uh, We had a bad earthquake, and it essentially condemned the building. It sat for eh, about 8, 10 years, and that's when we started to hang out in it. So we were hanging out in this building, just sitting there smoking, bullshitting. It was a rainy, heavy night. And all of a sudden, my friend, who is sitting across from me, her wall, her her body, her back is against the wall or this little stage area, so it was fairly protected. I'm sitting on a bench, roughly two feet in front of her, and she gets this deathly cold face, and she's just looking right over my shoulder, and she says, "Bill, Bill." bill like startles me i said what and she said there's something behind you and i turn around and i see nothing i start scouring this dark dim lit dank room and up in the corner i see these red glowing dots they're far off in the corner where there's normally no reflection there's no light that could be brought in from a passing car it looks almost almost digital, like two little digital red lights up in the corner. Now, mind you, we've been there a lot, so we know the area, we know this building, we know there's nothing like that in there. So that, that, that held this very cold, hollow sense to me. And at that exact moment, we heard a dog bark. Now, it was unlike any other dog bark I've ever heard. It was loud. It was deep. It was, it was so intense. It sounded like this dog was in the building with us, rooms away. We both jump, startled. The group looks at each other and not sure. We kind of make our way towards the exit, hearing this barking the entire time. We leave our lights killed, we're very intrigued, yet we're uneasy. So as we approach the exit, we stand there for a moment and listen to this dog, listen for his movement, seeing if he's coming closer. We hear it getting slightly louder, so we exit the building. Upon exiting the building, we essentially cannot be in the yard of the building, so we run from the yard to the fence, and as we're hopping the fence, we listen for that barking. The closest barking we could hear seemed like a small chihuahua quite a few blocks away from us. That incident didn't hold too hard with me. We've heard some odd things there, we've seen some things. So I didn't take much mind of it. That night they were taking me home and they dropped me off at home they went home themselves i ran to the store really quick and on my way back home i realized way off in the distance in the road i saw these two red eyes and i thought to myself that looks odd why would those red, red why are there red eyes in the middle of the road this late at night and as i approached it and came closer to it it clicked in my mind that this is something I've seen before. In fact, I've just seen it, and I remember that I just saw it in the building. And at that moment, I had that true inert fear. My heart stopped. My skin became tense. I was afraid for a moment. I wasn't sure what was happening, what was going to happen, what was going on. And then at that exact moment, as I'm coming closer, I can almost see Whatever is admitting these glowing lights, they they raise up towards the sky and dissipate off in separate directions. So right now, I'm totally confused. I'm panicking. I'm a little stressed. I pull out a cigarette. I light it up. I go home. That seems to be the end of that. From that point on, I've heard a lot of dog barks off in the distance. I try to think to myself if they're real, if it's my imagination, or if it's some other spirit attempting to make contact with me. I've always had a huge fascination and connection with the canine. I have a dog. I love him very much. We have a great bond. I lived in Mississippi and I helped with Hurricane Katrina. For about nine months. I spent a lot of time doing dog rescue down there. Retrieving scared dogs from underneath houses. I've always had this connection with the canine which made me feel like there was a bit more to that experience than than what I can only believe at this moment. So that being one of those instances where I was truly terrified and where there was an actual... Physical presence, something I could see, almost tangible, you know, almost comprehensible to me. Another one of those instances comes with a very sad story. In the town I used to live in, San Luis Obispo, California, there was a man named Rex Krebs. He abducted and killed two college girls. He was convicted and arrested and is in prison right now. Now here's where the scary part of the story comes into play. He lived out in the hills on the outskirts of town. They found one of the woman's bodies and as the story goes, he kept one of the the second woman locked in the upstairs bedroom. At one point, she made a break for it, running fully naked down this old dirt road in hopes to escape her captor. He found her about two, three miles down the road and dragged her back to the house. Physically, literally dragged her. Her body has never been found. There's speculation that she was buried in the side yard next to the house overlooking or right underneath the window that would have overlooked the yard where she stayed so me and my friends take a venture out to this man's property a few miles up into the hills in an extremely desolate backwood area we find his house slightly torn down due to not being kept up over the years and we sit down and inspect the area we turn on our recorder downstairs and we go upstairs to smoke in the room she was left to sit in upon inspection of the room we noticed scratch marks on the floorboards and on the inside of the door in the closet you could tell that there used to be bars in the windows so we figured if any place this would be the best for us to relax and partake upon some fine chronic we were up there for roughly a half hour, listening, enjoying the environment. We go back down, pick up our recorder, and go home. So a few months after this experience, no one was creeped out, no one felt weird. We decided to play, this, play the tape. Now, on the tape, at one point, it sounds like somebody picked it up, dropped it, and slid it across the ground which was very odd seeing how we were the only people out there. We then hear this odd muffling sound. So we enhance the audio and you can hear slight muffled screams from a young woman. This got my interest slightly peaked. So on a trip roughly a month later from listening to the audio me and a friend go up to the house just to get some pictures. Now I took a picture of the front window And to my full belief is Rex Krebs standing in the reflection in the window. Now I've shown people and they really don't see anything. But knowing the backstory and spending the time out there that I did, the picture was snapped and I instantaneously saw the man. That gave me the feeling that I was not there by myself. Yes, I had a friend with me but I felt that something more was watching over. Something more was there, keeping tabs. So roughly six, seven months after that incident, I have a friend who goes out there with his girlfriend. They're parked directly next to the house. They're smoking. I'd say it's two, three in the morning, late at night, pitch black. And when my friend puts his foot on the brake, at the back left of his car in his rearview mirror he sees a man standing there he panics he puts the car into drive and takes off not even thinking about rolling down his windows or stopping now on my search for haunted houses I've come to the conclusion that a falsified fear is not an easy thing to bring up in many human beings anybody who's thoroughly content on thoroughly involving themselves in the situation will normally recognize and notice small things that are coming far before they actually do, setups and whatnot. But in an instance where you're all alone or with just very few friends, you're in an old place. And by place, I mean place. It could be a graveyard, a house. It could be a field or a creek. But there are those times where you feel like you should not be there, that something greater is watching you. That's when I get that real fear, that real inert, soul-wrenching fear. Everybody gets it in different spots. It could be watching your child in a dangerous situation. It could be watching a television show that actually gives you that fear. It could be listening to a song Or hell it could even be a memory I have a few memories that will still scare me they don't bring me down to that true fear but they remind me of why I like to be scared and what an exhilaration it can be well I understand that this was not the longest of podcasts mind you it's my first doing it solo so it's it's been a little interesting It's odd not having somebody to bounce things off of and, you know, communicate with. I will in the future be doing spots. I will be doing interviews. I will be, hopefully have a couple of co-hosts to come in and do this with me. So, yeah, I appreciate you guys joining me for the Omniology Project. Make sure to keep in touch with me via Facebook or Instagram. We'll... Underscore at William Waffles on Instagram. We have the Omniology Project on Facebook. Get in there. Uh, ask me some weird questions. Uh, if there's any ex- strange, odd, worldly topics that you would like me to get on, you know, put them in there. I will most definitely do some research and we can discuss my findings. Now, all that being said, I have one last thing to tell you guys. Take a moment, breathe deep and enjoy the time and space that you are now in. Natural